Welcome to the middle of the month, with May not too far away. Until then, it is April 15th, 2021. In insert the obligatory line about taxes here. This is the most recent edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, with another edition of a program that seeks to cover a lot of ground with a lot of words and sound bites. On today's show, Scottsville's Towns Council is briefed on various infrastructure projects. Albemarle Supervisor Ned Galloway seeks a second term on the Rio District, and ground is finally broken for the Crescent Hall's rehabilitation. In today's Substack-fueled shout-out, would you like to use your tech, data, design, or research skills in the name of community service? Code for Charlottesville may be the place for you. Code for Charlottesville will be holding an orientation session on April 21st, where you can learn more about their streetlight mapping project, criminal record expungement data analysis, or their pro bono tech consulting for local nonprofits. You can learn more on the Code for Charlottesville website. For the second time in the past six weeks, an official ceremony has been held to begin major construction at a public housing site in Charlottesville. Crescent Halls was built in 1976 at the intersection of Monticello Avenue and 2nd Street Southeast. Brandon Collins is with the Public Housing Association of Residents. As we all know, urban renewal happened in Charlottesville in the 60s, and we hear a lot about Vinegar Hill. Uh, but it also happened here on Garrett Street, and that was the birth of this building, Crescent Halls. Collins said a lack of investment in the facility has led to a series of well-documented maintenance problems, including a lack of air conditioning during the summer months. He said the Public Housing Association of Residents pushed to create a Bill of Rights to protect citizen rights during relocation. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority was created to serve as an instrument of what was then termed as slum clearance following a narrow referendum held on April 15, 1954. That was 67 years ago today. The proposal won by only 36 votes. At the time, the Daily Progress reported that approval of the new authority carried three of the city's four wards in the referendum. A master plan intended to guide redevelopment of all of the sites was adopted in the summer of 2010, but nothing happened. The events of the summer of 2017 moved the rehabilitation project forward. In October of 2020, Council approved a performance agreement with CRHA that governs the use of $3 million in direct city investment in Crescent Halls, as well as the first phase of redevelopment at South 1st Street, Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker also serves on the CRHA Board of Commissioners. By doing this today, we also show that uh, promises that have been broken for decades are finally um, being fulfilled. People shouldn't have to wait um, for decades for their basic needs to be met. And that happens when a community doesn't own its responsibility. Walker said construction should take about 18 months. Riverbend Development has shepherded design and financial planning for the project. Part of the project is funded through low-income housing tax credits, or LIHTC, that are used to encourage private investment. The credits were granted by the Virginia Housing Development Authority in 2019 to an entity called Crescent Halls Reno LLC, 
which is made up of the CRHA, and its nonprofit arm, which is known as the Charlottesville Community Development Corporation, or CCDC. Under the terms of the arrangement, the Crescent Halls building will no longer be owned by the CRHA, but will instead be owned by a limited liability company created specifically for the project. That's the same arrangement for the first phase of South First Street, which broke ground on March 7th. Unlike the CRHA, the CCDC will be responsible for paying property taxes to the city of Charlottesville for the rehabilitated structure. An agreement signed on March 5th between the city, the CRHA, and the CCDC compels the city to make a subsidy to CRHA to cover the costs for CCDC's tax liability for a period of 15 years. Cornelius Griggs, president and CEO of GMA Construction, also spoke at the dedication ceremony. Um, we are here today partner with um, our great partners at Martin Horn, um, who are going to assist us and work with us to deliver a excellent facility to the residents. CRHA Executive Director John Sales also spoke at the event. He took that job last August after serving for a brief time as Charlottesville's housing coordinator. One of the things that really excited me about taking this job was an opportunity to work with the residents to build a future that they saw uh, themselves living in. And I think this project, as, as well as South First Street and all the other future projects, will have that same aspect. You can watch the entire 50-minute dedication on the CRHA Facebook page, and there's a link in the newsletter. Scottsville's town council met this past Monday and got several updates on several infrastructure projects. Planning continues for a park in West Downtown, funded through an $80,000 grant from the Virginia Outdoors Foundation. Scottsville Town Attorney Jim Bowling said the next step is to sign an easement document for public access on land owned by prominent landowner Dr. Charles Hurt. All this land is in the floodplain, and it's uh, proposed to be a permanent uh, recreational easement for the benefit of the town and its citizens uh, to be uh, these will be jointly owned as proposed by the Virginia Outdoors Foundation and the town. The council also got a briefing from the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority, which withdraws water from Todier Creek or the Todier Creek Reservoir. RWSA Executive Director Bill Moyer said the reservoir was built in 1971 and holds 155 million gallons. Uh, we get water out of the creek most of the time, and somewhat this picture in the middle shows you why, because Todia Creek tends to have, uh, the Todia Creek Reservoir tends to have a high tur turbidity and sediment load. Moyer said RWSA is planning for an $11 million upgrade to the water treatment plant that was originally built in 1964. That won't happen for at least five years. Much sooner than that, Albemarle County is working on a facility where residents can bring household waste in southern Albemarle to a collection site known as a convenience center. The project will be built in the unincorporated area of Keene, on land owned by the county north of Scottsville on Route 20. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors has allocated $1.1 million for this project. Lance Stewart is the county's director of facilities and environmental services. Uh, and that would include all of the containers and compactors necessary to, to uh, open the operation. 
that, of course, would be done in cooperation with the Romana Solid Waste Authority. The county purchased the land in 1990 for a potential trash transfer facility, but that project was never built. Stewart stressed that this is not the site of the now-closed Keene landfill. But what is a convenience center, exactly? It's a place to take um, bagged household waste or, or in containers, not large bulk household waste, or uh, also compostable food waste or uh, uh, array of recyclables, glass, plastics, paper, cardboard, tin, and other metals. Stewart said the project will help the county implement its climate action plan by moving forward with a project that reduces greenhouse gases. That food waste that's compostable is the the largest greenhouse gas emitter among the solid waste components. So um, from a climate action plan perspective, um, that's a a significant and growing um, opportunity for us. For the Convenience Center project to move forward, it will need to be reviewed against the comprehensive plan by the Albemarle Planning Commission. The hope is to have the facility open in the fall of 2022. The Scottsville Town Council will vote on a resolution of support for the Convenience Center at its meeting on Monday, April 19th. And finally today, Ned Galloway has announced he will seek a second term to represent the Rio District on the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. Galloway was first elected in 2017 as a Democrat after running unopposed. Four years ago when I ran, I said that my priorities would be public education, public safety, and economic development. Galloway said highlights of the last four years have been adoption of the Project Enable Economic Development Plan, adoption of the Rio and 29 Small Area Plan, and adoption of the first phase of the county's Climate Action Plan. So far, no one has filed to run against Galloway as an independent or a Republican. The deadline to challenge him in the Democratic primary on June 8th has passed. Currently, all members of the Board of Supervisors are Democrats, but Galloway said that does not make them a monolithic body. I think people think because we are often, you know, we're all of the same party that we're just automatically of the same mind on things, and we're not. Galloway previously served on the Albemarle School Board. He moved to the community in 2002 and lived on Old Ivy Road for a brief time before moving to Fluvanna County. He and his family moved back to Albemarle in 2007. Since that time, he said there has been a lot of growth. A lot has changed in a quick amount of time. I mean, I remember driving back from D.C. and you weren't really feeling like you were in town until you started to get to Kroger up by Woodbrook. And now that's, that's a whole different animal, even through, through Greene County. Last week, Supervisor Diantha McKeel announced she would seek a third term to represent the Jack Jewett District. Democrat Jim Andrews is the only candidate who has filed in the Samuel Miller District race to succeed outgoing Supervisor Liz Palmer. No independents have yet filed for any of those three seats, and would-be candidates have until June 8th to qualify for the ballot. No Republicans have filed either, according to Albemarle Republican Chairman George Urban. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 15th, 2021. Thank you very much for listening to another installment. There will be another one 
possibly tomorrow, possibly Saturday. It all depends on something going on. I'm actually going to be making an appearance on the Real Talk program with Kevin Smith tomorrow on uh, the I Love Seville network. So tune into that. That could be exciting. So that might delay the production of the next newsletter. But either way, there's a lot still to get to. And there's a lot to go back and review. You know, this is the 176th edition of this program. And one way you can fund that is to subscribe through Substack. And as I announced yesterday, Ting is going to match any new subscription or subscription renewal that happens. This is a way of keeping this a relatively non-commercial podcast. The And I really appreciate Ting for what they're doing. Uh, you can find a blurb on the website that explains why they're doing this, and you can go look for that there. In the meantime, I'm Sean Tubbs, and please send this on to other people. As you could hear today, we covered stuff in the city, we covered stuff in Albemarle County, and every day, this is what I do. I listen to this stuff so that you can listen to it as well, and we can all make decisions going into the future together. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back tomorrow or the next day. I already said that. I'm repeating myself. I'm